This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Mark Cassell. Mark is a partner at Levrose Commercial Real Estate. I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, definitely excited to hop on and uh, have some chat. Excellent. Mark, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so obviously uh, partner over at Levrose, primarily working in the industrial space here in Arizona. Uh, our office is in Old Town Scottsdale. Uh, we just had our 30-year anniversary last year. Um, and we're about 30 or so brokers, uh, five or six support staff as well. Um, but you know, really what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis is working on industrial sales, um, whether it's investment sales or owner user. I did start out actually in retail, oddly enough, um, when I first graduated, well, when I graduated college in 2015, I uh, got my license, was an intern at Sperry Van Ness. Um, went to Levrose right after I graduated, um, and then worked on a retail team doing leasing, learning a little bit more about investment sales, really liked the underwriting side of investment sales and diving into the numbers, the leases, um, and really all those details. It was really fascinating. About three, four years ago, started looking at an industrial in Phoenix, um, and really liked the growth and that sector as well. Uh, the owners I felt were a little bit different. It's there's, I'm sure you know this as well, or you're noticing this with, there's a different personality trait that's associated with each asset class. Like retail, I feel like is uh, more high fashion. I mean, you go to ICSC and that really seems to be the, the case for industrial. It's obviously extremely blue collar with the you know groups that you're dealing with, whether they're manufacturers, uh, logistics, you know, that's really a lot of the groups, individuals that we're working with on a day-to-day basis, um, especially here in Arizona, which is honestly awesome. But, uh, yeah. So let's start there. And and, and this is one of the reasons (laughs) that I I thought was interesting is it doesn't matter what side of commercial real estate you're on, whether you're a broker, whether you're a landlord, a tenant, I think few people uh, move from asset class to asset class. There are, you know, I think the asset management world does this a lot from the institutional asset managers or the money managers that invest in real estate. They do. But the ones that are touching and feeling real estate, whether it's like an operator of the property, a, i.e. a landlord, a broker or a tenant, they pretty much stay in their lane of asset classes. And you really moved asset classes. So talk to us a little bit about why you made a transition because I love retail, but you moved to industrial and you, um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, it really started... You know, there was a broker that uh, brought me in on a listing um, that was an investment sale, multi-tenant industrial building. 
um, down here in Chandler, one of the suburbs of Phoenix. And it was right by this airport, Chandler Municipal Airport. I'm like, okay, what is this? Like, yeah, I'll help you out. Um, you know, I know how to underwrite buildings, no problem. And you know, we worked it out on that sense. Um, that was my first, you know, contact of, I guess, dipping my toes into industrial. Um, it was interesting because one of the tenants in the building, it's a flight school, ended up getting my pilot's license through them. And <laughs> to get a really good, you know, relationship and rapport with our sellers, uh, really good friends, and really just kind of had the same repeat business, you know, talking to the neighbors and then kind of grew out from there, from Chandler to Mesa, Gilbert. I don't know if you know the geography of Phoenix. I do, Gilbert. yeah. They're all, you know, neighboring cities and, you know, getting to know that same culture throughout just prospecting, seeing if these groups would want to acquire this building. Um, you know, it wasn't just kind of a blue moon scenario, if you will, but it was a lot more repeat kind of vibing with my personality. I think a little bit more so as well. So when you said vibing with your personality, go yeah. a little, take me a little deeper there. How does industrial vibe with your personality more than retail? I love the, well, it was the, from the first experience like I had with this building down in Chandler. Um, you've got the airplanes flying above you. It's just the noise around it. It's kind of the, you know, getting down to business sense of it. I love walking through manufacturing facilities, whether it's like a tile manufacturing building and you, there's just dust everywhere. Just seeing that nitty gritty of like how things are made. I think, I don't know if you ever remember it's like a show on the Discovery Channel, maybe like 10, 15 years ago called like How It's Made. Sure. We're watching that. It was the same thing. You know, I'm having yeah, kind of this nostalgia, you know, walking through these buildings, seeing everything is, you know, really being made for the backbone of a lot of industries, especially here in Arizona. Excellent. Um, I think... When I think about it, I think you, you mentioned a point that was interesting, which is, you know, the dust, the noise. Yep. I think one of the things in industrial that's a little bit different is the physical plant, I think, is much more of a, it's a, the physical plan is of higher level importance, it feels, than the dirt. Now to both sides, retail, the dirt's important, retail, the, the, the physical plant's important, the industrial, the physical plant's important, so is the dirt and the location. But in retail, sometimes it's like, I want this specific end cap. I don't want to be one space over. And you know, they go in with a little bit more like the physical plant today doesn't matter because we'll make it what we want to make it. And and in industrial, like, the, you know, well, the ceiling heights or number of bay doors not there. We'll move on to the next site. Whereas that's in retail, like, OK, the, those things matter, right? Like the, 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 the frontage or the dock. But in retail, there's a lot like, we'll change the configuration to make that work because the location yeah. 
and the actual dirt underneath is a lot of times of higher level importance than necessarily, you know, you know, the look, the, the placement of the door and in, in manufacturing or something like that, the, the, the whole, it doesn't matter if, if the, that ceiling height is not the right ceiling height, because we can't get the number of shelves, we can't get the yeah. forklifts in and then it's over. Yeah. It's yeah. Like practical in that sense. Yeah. yeah like you'll, 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 you know, you hear an industrial, like I got this great building and in, in retail, like a great building usually is like the actual real estate and the other co-tenancy. It's rarely like in, there are some uses where ceiling heights matter in retail, but it's rarely like, Oh my God, the ceiling heights and the number of bay doors. Correct. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're looking at the demographics, you're looking at the traffic counts. Yeah, exactly. Like you were saying with the co-tenancy, it's like, who's going to help them be as successful as possible, which it, it's super interesting with retail. I think with industrial just struck a chord with me more so. I'm like, this is really cool. It's, it's a sector that I never really like walked through, got to know and just ended up loving it. Um, which is kind of weird to say about brick and mortar real estate, but you know, neither here nor there. Yeah. The, was it hard after establishing relationships and credibility in the retail space? Like, did you feel like you were starting over as you were going into industrial? Um, a hundred percent. And I still had, you know, a lot of carryover and I still have a few carryover um, deals and relationships with retail the interesting thing is a lot of uh, investors, especially here in Phoenix, that um, had a pretty good retail presence, and I'm talking about more on the private capital side, were looking to uh, chase industrial deals. So it was kind of the perfect sure. timing, you know, seeing the growth of that market. And I really, I cared more about uh, working on things that I really enjoyed doing more so than, you know, just chasing the growth of industrial, which obviously it's been explosive in Phoenix, but you know, that's just it being a benefactor of it as well. Got it. And what are some other like key differences that somebody yeah. who's in retail, which is a lot of the people that listen to this yeah, might not consider on the industrial side, what's like a key difference of working in industrial versus retail? Yeah. The first thing right off the bat was swapping all the annual lease rates to monthly lease rates, which was, I mean, it, it wasn't like a huge learning curve. It was just like what I'm used to. Um, I'm trying to think a lot of industrial leases here in Phoenix have been switching over from industrial gross to triple net. Um, so that was a lot easier on the transition, um, on the underwriting side of things, I'm trying to think really just how useful the building is to what you were saying earlier. Yeah. What that's really key. It? What can you do with this? You know, there was a, a pretty, there's obviously a pretty big carryover with, you know, proximity to freeways. If you do have a good amount of employees, what are your nearby amenities? So it's not a ton on the demographic side with uh, that comparison, but I think access to highways and having that infrastructure set up is really key. Yeah. The, 
you mentioned the monthly re- lease rates. And when you say yeah. that the, the denomination you're talking about is dollars per square foot. Yeah. So it'll be, uh, you know, if it's 12 bucks a foot, it'll be a buck a foot. So yeah. The, uh, in retail, it's that's, I was just going to say in retail, it's like that in California. Yeah. And I'll never forget. We had a deal out there that we owned and someone sent me, you know, an LOI at $2 a foot. I like, I was ready to call the guy and go, what an insult. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this guy serious? <laughs> Yeah. But turns out that was monthly lease rate. So that is super interesting. The uh, I have seen a lot of like OMs that I've seen, you know, even nationally, the conversion of industrial from industrial gross to like triple net. Correct. I'm curious, are you seeing any fixed cam? Hmm. It's situational. I think it depends on the age of the building. And really, what's the ownership group and what's their profile? The thing is, the biggest expense, I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing with you guys, is going to be property taxes. So, I mean, but with common area maintenance, it's not as management intensive as a, as a retail building. Got it. Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. We don't have, you don't have consumers. Yeah. Uh, for sure. The other thing I would say that happens, and you, and you touched on this in the very beginning, a, a key difference yeah. to me is there are a lot of owner users in yeah. industrial, and not that there's not in retail, but it feels like much more in industrial there's owner users than there are in retail. Um, so, the, and what I mean by that, everybody is people who they own the they they're the tenant. They're not a tenant. They're buying the building, not as necessarily a real estate investment, but as their business investment and they own the building and they're using the building. They're not leasing now. Yeah, no, it's, that's spot on. Um, and it's interesting, you know, that transition, uh, you know, it's weird because it's their business's home essentially. And it's funny, like sometimes if you've got a business that's been there for 20 years, it's still a successful business. And you've seen the appreciation of the real estate. Sometimes that real estate is going to be worth more than the business. I feel like it's more rare that the business is worth more than the real estate, unless you've got, you know, a hundred thousand square foot plus facilities. But for the 50,000 and under, that seems to be more so the case where the real estate is going to be worth more than the business. Interesting. It depends on the business, but yeah, it, right. Depends on the business, yeah. but sure. Just my observation. Understood. Uh, so let's talk about, so, you know, I think Phoenix, Arizona is one of these like hot markets. You've had, you know, migration to the state. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've heard a lot about like chip manufacturers and, and <laughs> my, I have a, yeah. I have a four-year-old son. His is a boxing coach. So my four, <laughs> yes, everybody. My four-year-old son is in boxing and his boxing coach is a, uh, was in the, in the union in New York and, uh, in construction and calls me one day and he goes, you know, I got to postpone lessons or find you a new coach. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, did I do something? What did I do? 
did I, did I offend you somehow or something? You yeah. think I'm being too hard on my son? What's going on? He's like, no, in my, you know, we had, we had a huge job come up and I had to take the opportunity and they're shipping me to Arizona to build a chip manufacturing facility. Oh, no way. Wow. And I, I said, I said, whoa. He's like, I'll be back like once a month on the weekends. And I'm like, ah, I'm trying to do a little bit more than that. But anyway, um, yeah. I think, you know, that's just, you know, and that's like, that was a, you know, a personal story for me that of what's going on in Arizona. So tell me, what is the industrial market like in Arizona? What are you seeing out there? You know, because no matter what you've, you hear, we still, uh, you know, I think there's still interesting things going on in Arizona, notwithstanding we have this interest rate world we're living in, you know, and headline news around the dirty word of recession. So give us some color of what's going on in Arizona from industrial real estate perspective. Yeah, for industrial, just kind of a you know, high level um, I'll touch on TSMC in a minute just because it is super fascinating, but that's a cool story too. But with Arizona, vacancy rates are extremely low, um, definitely much lower than retail is, mainly because there are so many buildings, especially in that small shop space size where there just isn't enough inventory out there. Um, I want to say, depending on the submarket, it's you know anywhere from maybe one to 5% at the highest. I mean, it's pretty tight for Arizona. Um, Deer Valley, which is not too far from TSMC's uh, facility, is probably the tightest submarket for industrial here in Metro Phoenix. Um, there's not a lot of turnover. Price per square foot has really been skyrocketing from you know maybe 150 a few years ago. Um, inching towards 300 bucks a foot, which is pretty insane for industrial. Um, wow. For the other submarkets, I mean, there's just a lot of growth. If you go towards the Southeast Valley, towards Mesa and uh, the Mesa Gateway Airport, um, what's interesting about that part of the Southeast Valley with Skybridge is there's a lot of 100,000 square foot plus facilities that are getting developed and they're mainly logistics based. And obviously the airport's seeing a ton of growth with additional hangars as well. There's so many airports in Phoenix, mainly because it was a lot of, uh, you know, training facilities for World War II, oddly enough, um, which is something that's, you know, interesting as well. But uh, it seems like there's still no slowing down. I think with our sale leasebacks for the owner users that want to capitalize on uh, just the high prices, you know, we're starting to see that bridge get gapped a little bit as well, just because of the interest rate environment that we just, you know, we just touched on. So a couple questions. One, are you seeing new development? How about spec development? Yes. Definitely a good amount of spec development. It's easily the most expensive. Um, there's a lot of development, mainly for the logistics space from what I'm seeing. Not a ton of yard space, which is, I would say, probably more in demand based on the groups that I'm talking to. Um, 
where you're seeing those higher price per square foot at like 250 to sometimes even 300 bucks a square foot for these brand new tilt up buildings, which is nuts. Um, I think just to get some of these out of the ground, it's like 180 a foot. But the question is, you know, how are these tenants going to be able to pay it? And what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months? I think for those larger projects, it'll be a little bit more interesting to figure that out. So what are you seeing from, so when we're talking 250, $300 a foot, you're talking the cost to purchase it. What are you seeing? Like you, you see the OMs, what's like a lease rate on those buildings? Yeah, it'll be anywhere from, depending on the sub market, probably, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to annual. So like 12 to maybe 18 bucks a square foot. Um, I remember talking to one of my buddies who developed an Amazon building that was unheard of to hear like 14 bucks a square foot triple net for like a 200,000 square foot building. Granted, that was a few years ago, but that just kind of paving the way for the madness that was ahead, if you will. Got it. And what, what these investors who were buying in, yeah. what size buildings are they looking for? What's like hot and why? Yeah. If you're looking for more logistics, you're going to be out towards Mesa Gateway. Um, and that's mainly due to having the access to that airport. Uh, it's growing a lot down there and there's a lot of incentives from the city of Mesa. The west side of town, Glendale, Peoria, <clears throat> um, along the Loop 303 corridor, is a lot of logistics as well, mainly because it's cheaper to store the goods here and then ship it to California as opposed to having it in uh, Inland Empire. Um, for your actual like manufacturing, that's going to be like in the older parts of the city, south of Sky Harbor Airport um, in Phoenix. And it's interesting with Gilbert, Chandler, and Mesa, there's still a lot of industries that are focused on aerospace. Northrop Grumman is a really big presence out here. Got it. And so yeah. is there like... As a, as a broker, is there like a sweet spot size range where like, oh my God, this size range, this is going to fly off the, the handle? Um, I would say five to 40,000 square feet. That seems Got to be it. extremely hot. And have, as you know, we've obviously seen this extreme interest rate movement. Has it yeah. slowed down investor demand? Um, I would say with interest rates creeping up, you know, the thing that we've got to do <clears throat> on our end as brokers is help bridge that gap with pricing, you know, on some of our deals where we had out there that were a little bit too aggressive, obviously trying to get that nice 1031 exchange buyer about a few days left on their ID period. And now we're starting to see the rates creep up. We've got to get a little bit more realistic. Now we're finally seeing that gap get bridged where our sellers are, you know, coming to terms with what's going on in the interest rate environment. The demand is still there. There's a lot of activity. I think it's been, I was talking with a lender the other day about just how busy we've been up until Christmas, up until New Year's, and even going into this year with just new deals and how to put things together as well. So if I'm reading the tea leaves, the answer is investor demand is there. It's a pricing yeah. exercise. And you feel like you're, you, you know, Phoenix is turning the corner where sellers are coming around to 
the new market conditions and what interest rates are doing to pricing. Correct. Got it. Mark, what else haven't we talked about that we should be talking about, about what's going on over there? Uh, yeah. So we got to talk about TSMC. Obviously they took uh, your, your kid's boxing coach. So, <laughs> uh, so with uh, TSMC, it's Taiwan semiconductor. Um, it was an initial like $12 billion investment. It's going to be the biggest building in the state of Arizona. And now they just increased it to like 40 billion. Um, but it's going to bring about 12,000 jobs. And I believe that includes or it actually doesn't include all the additional employees they're going to be servicing, um, you know, TSMC and those businesses that are supporting them too. So, got it. Yeah. And so, where is that? Yeah. So that's actually going to be in North Phoenix. If you're, let's say, you land at Sky Harbor, you're going to take the I-17, go directly north, probably about 40, 45 minutes um, past the Deer Valley Airport, and it's right. Well, directly south of like Anthem on the west side of the freeway. If you're, you know, trying to go up north on a ski trip, it's going to be to your left. So you can't really miss it. And how big is the building? What is it? A million square feet? Yeah. It's something like that. And they said it's going to take a long time to build this thing, right? 2024 is uh, estimated completion. Got it. Well, fascinating, uh, <laughs> fascinating stuff. I, I couldn't believe that this is what was going on, but uh, yeah, this is the word. This is how I found out about the chip, the chip plant. My son's boxing coach. <laughs> well, listen, I want to take us to the last part of the show. I got three questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, fire away. All right. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Uh, Circuit City. All right. Question two. What is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Does that include restaurants or no? I'll let you answer how you want to answer. Okay. So I went to Takaya for lunch today. That was like 21 and change or whatever it is. It's fancy Chipotle, but yeah. Last question. If you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? This is too easy. The uh, the Lego aisle. Like Lego aisle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my wife, it would be in the, the home section. But uh, yeah, if I'm escaping off, I'm looking at that stuff. Fantastic. Mark, this has been great. Thanks so much for talking to us about your transition from retail to industrial, what's going on in Phoenix. Really appreciate the time. Good luck to you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.